It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Talk to JT. As we are rolling on on the biggest topic in the NFL, this is nothing to dive into and look crazy about. Have we lost our bleeping mind? Look, the elephant in the room is the majority of our audience are Raider fans, and they would like the Raiders to win now. They don't want to rebuild. They don't care about two or three years. The last 20-plus years have been hard, and they're sick of it. Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. Are you kidding me? It's an absolute free-for-all with the Raiders on national radio debate shows. Everybody now is throwing blank up against the wall. No, no, no. Who are you listening to? Who's putting this in your head? But what happens next is what should this team do that's responsible, not reckless, makes sense, and could kind of thread the needle and get this team back to greatness. Are you with me on that? Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. And now, sound off like you got a pair. Here's JT the Brick. All right, welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of the show coming off a late night last night. As Vegas wins the Stanley Cup, we have a great group of guests, including Vinny Bonsignor, who's kind enough to join us right now. And Vinny, uh, great to talk to you. I know you were on this morning with Lindsay. And how was it today just to be in a city, be in a building that is a proud partner of the Vegas Golden Knights as their world champions? How's that feel? Uh, first of all, thanks for having me, uh, JT. And yeah, and I was I was with my family last night out on the strip, um, watching the game. And you know, when it when when it was obvious that that, that third period was going to be more of a coronation than anything else, we decided to walk down. Uh, to Tshiba Plaza to watch it with uh, with all the other fans. It was a great scene. It was a beautiful scene, to be honest with you, and history in the making. Uh, and it just really kind of dawned on me, and uh, I often feel this way, and, and last night, you know, poignantly so. Um, there's, an old, there's a saying, it seems, in Las Vegas, uh, you know, the answer is yes, what's your question? Um, and in other words, there's, no is not in the vocabulary here in Las Vegas. The sky is the limit. If you have a great idea, if you have a dream, if you have ambition, and you're willing to invest in it, um, you're going to get help along the way, and, and, and dreams do actually come true. And who has the audacity to dream of actually winning the Stanley Cup championship in the sixth year of, of their existence? Who has the audacity to decide to put a football team uh, in Las Vegas, let alone a hockey team? Uh, but this town rewards investment. Um, and it's welcoming to dreamers and, and people want, that want to think big. And generally speaking, when you invest, you're going to get rewarded. The Golden Knights in Las Vegas got rewarded last night. And I don't have any real doubts that at some point Mark Davis and the Raiders are going to get rewarded. Because short of, you know, what's, what's actually, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't happened necessarily on the field yet for the Raiders here in Las Vegas, although there was a playoff appearance two years ago. Mm-hmm. Everything else, I believe the Raiders are checking off the box uh, here locally. And I think that investment that they're, that they're putting in from a beautiful facility in Henderson to being good neighbors um, is going to get rewarded with on-field success eventually. And last night for the Golden Knights to realize their dream, um, I, just, I just think drove home what this market offers to people that want to come in here and invest. That's a great point. Vinny Bonson, yours our guest right here, Raider Nation Radio, everything he does at the Las Vegas Review Journal. And I thought it was interesting. I'm putting no time, zero, into the A's until the A's get here. And if they do, it'll be years from now. But I thought it was interesting last night that in Oakland they had a reverse boycott. So they had their biggest crowd as the A's are looking to leave. And the fans came out. And a lot of those fans are Raider fans. And a lot of Raider fans are A's fans. As we're celebrating in Vegas because of everything you said, 
Vegas and the ability not to politically get in the way of sports. Vegas to welcome the Raiders, to welcome the Golden Knights, to do this, probably end up welcoming other teams again down the road where we dealt with the politics in Oakland, which had a lot to do with the Raiders leaving, especially what was happening behind the scenes with the A's and the 10-year lease and all that. But I just I didn't catch any sports center last night. I was totally involved in the game. And then I wake up today and I see this reverse boycott I said, oh, my God, man, you, what you just said was so important as the Raiders are good neighbors here in Vegas and how easy it is to do business here and how everyone gets along. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, I feel for the, for the fans of the Oakland A's yeah. just as I felt for the fans of the Oakland Raiders, you know, the local fans in, in Oakland. But it's never been about the fans. It was always about the leadership in place. And uh, I don't feel like I'm speaking out of school to say that leadership in the Bay Area, they definitely failed Raider fans without question. And it looks like they may end up failing um, uh, Oakland A's fans. I'm not saying that it's all on the leadership, but I know that I, I, I earnestly feel like in the Raiders' case, it was all on the lack of leadership that was going on there because Mark Davis wanted to stay. Mark Davis was going to put money into it. Mark Davis had ideas and plans uh, that could have helped build two stadiums there, one for the A's and one for the Raiders. I'm not going to get into all that. It's water under the bridge at this point, but he did. And, and, and there just wasn't, uh, it wasn't reciproca- reciprocated with the, um, w- w- with the necessary type of leadership. Here in Las Vegas, it's, it's the complete opposite. And Mark Davis literally told me this. No is not in their vocabulary. That's not, you know, usually when you come up with, a, with an idea, you know, um, let's talk about the Bay Area or let's talk about in, in California sometimes as well. It's usually hesitance. It's usually, oh, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that. In Las Vegas, is, it might be difficult. But let's figure out a way. That's a great idea. JT, we see, we see hotels that come down and get rebuilt. Uh, we, we see restaurants that, you know, uh, prop up. You know, uh, every day I'm reading about new restaurants. Every day I'm reading about a new property. Every day I'm re- reading about a grand idea that somebody, you know, uh, Hollywood wants to come mm-hmm. here. Uh, everyone sees the possibility, and it's, it's just the, the common thread is if you invest, and that goes all the way to the anchor here, and we know that that's, you know, gambling, and, and there is a gambling, um, you know, uh, feel to all of this, is that, is that if you put the money in, it might not get rewarded initially or right off the bat, but if you, if you, if you, if you keep at it, you're eventually going to get rewarded. You're, it, the, the investment is going to eventually pay off. And I think that, that's what this city embodies. We saw that last night. We, saw it, we see it with beautiful Allegiant Stadium and T-Mobile Arena. There will be an NBA uh, arena here uh, before too long. And who knows about what's going to ultimately happen today with the Oakland A's and, and that stadium. But uh, it really does, uh, th- this town rewards that. And there's no, there's no sky. The sky is not the limit. Beyond sky uh, is the limit. And it gets proven here every single day. It goes beyond just sports and, and gambling. It's, it's other things. Like we're, like we're seeing with Mark Wahlberg talk about building a huge studio here. One of two that's going to get eventually built, which is going to create jobs um, and people are going to, you know, uh, be, be benefit from that. The tax revenue that's generated from all that, yeah, there's going to be an investment from the state. But, but, but that investment usually gets paid off in other ways that we don't even account for. We don't even think about, but they will be. Vinny Bonson, yours our guest. So, 
the limited time I've had to spend with Jimmy Garoppolo a couple of weeks ago was two nights back to back, and he looked fantastic. Now I'm not a doctor or right. a trainer, and I'm not saying that I asked, I didn't ask him how his foot is doing, but you knew he was around the alumni. He was at the hockey game. He, you know, he's the type of guy that he doesn't do a lot on social media, so you're not going to know where he is. He's not going to tell you where he's going to be. And genuinely a really nice guy. And I, as I was talking to him, you know, I'm hoping that he's 100%, but we're not going to know that until training camp begins, and they don't need to tell us anything. But I've been telling everybody going on 25 years with the team, I kind of back off in June and July when there's no news. I'm not going to speculate it. I'm going forward with Jimmy Garoppolo not only ready for training camp, but being ready for the start of the season. And if that's the case, and we get this right, I think the Raiders are bleeping loaded on offense to the point where they can sustain drives that they haven't been able to do, even when Carr was playing at his best, and I thought Derek was a real good quarterback. But I think Jimmy's going to be better in down and distance, moving the chains, shorter passes, red zone, etc. And I don't think the rest of the national media understand that. I don't think they know the depth of the receivers. Uh, Josh Jacobs still is not in camp yet for obvious reasons. But what's the upside for you being around this team so much and what this offense can potentially do, Vinny? Yeah, and I think the upside, uh, and we always have to preface it with if Jimmy stays healthy, right? I mean, that's, and that's a big if because it, it, it hasn't always happened uh, in his career. But if that box gets checked off, um, then there is a lot of upside. You know, we go back to, uh, to last year's offense, and even if you want to go back even further to 2021, here was the issue, I think, with, with, with Derek Carr, that ultimately um, the team, why the team decided to move on uh, from him, especially with that big number that he was going to be due in 2023. You know, y- you can make the argument, well, wow, the Raiders had the 12th best offense in the NFL last year when you're talking about scoring, and that's exactly where they finished. And on paper, that looks pretty good, JT. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, they were, they were third in offense as of October 25th, averaging tw- over 27 points per game. They finished 12th. It wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Like there was a fall off and a, and, a, and a fairly dramatic one from the end of October to the end of the season. It was a four-point fall off, which ended up resulting in them having the 12th best offense. I think what Jimmy represents, if he's healthy, and some of the tinkering that they did, um, you know, uh, with the offense, uh, with the hope being that a Jacoby Myers uh, is and a, and, a, and a Michael Mayer is going to—they're going to be healthy. They're going to be there, um, you know, for the balance of the season, uh, as well with with Hunter Renfro. Is that they're playing their best football down the stretch, which is which is the opposite of what happened last year. And, and I'm not trying to throw Derek under the under the uh, uh, bus here, but his play faltered down the stretch that way it contributed to that fall off and you want to go back to 2021 they were 10th in offense in scoring as of october 25th the exact same date the year before and they finished 18th it was a three-point fall off from november and in, from october to november and december and you know they made the playoffs in 2021 there was a lot that played into that the defense started playing better i thought the, Ra- the raiders ran into some pretty good luck uh, along the way, they got hot. Other teams didn't, um, you know, and they, they they were able to figure their way into the off, into the playoffs. But their offense still wasn't playing top level at that point. And I think when you're the Raiders, you kind of look at that and say, well, um, you can't have that. You have to be playing your best football in November and December. That's how great teams end up, you know, uh, making prolonged uh, appearances in the playoffs. And I think that's what they want 
to see from Jimmy and this offense. More efficiency, efficiency, especially later on in the season when it starts getting colder, when teams start having more of a book on you and there's more scouting tape to look at and to figure out ways to, to stop you. You can't let that be the reason why you go from third in the offense to 12th uh, or 10th to 18th. You have to be able to play better and more efficiently down the stretch. And I think that's what they're hoping for with Jimmy, as long as he stays healthy. Vinny Bonsignor. So, Vinny, on the defensive side, when I look at this defense, it's so important that Tyree Wilson is ready to play. And again, with his foot injury, and they knew what they drafted, and he's supposed to be a star. Chandler Jones, I think I nailed it last year. He was like a boxer. His legs didn't activate the first six or seven weeks. He's getting up there in age, and I thought he came on stronger. He's got to be great this year. And if he can't be great, he's got to be much better than last year. Max is amazing. The whole league knows how good Max is. I talked to Spillane with Phil Villapiano. And he was just laser-beamed on the history of the Raiders. His grandfather played for the Steelers. I'm giving this kid the benefit of the doubt. I'm hoping he's going to play. But Epps at safety, with all the snaps he got with the Eagles winning the NFC, he's going to stay on the field and be a good player. But I keep hearing about Divine Diablo. And I was with Dave Ziegler last night. We didn't talk football. But Dave and Josh kept him here. And they were not part of the regime. It was the former regime. And I'm scratching my head going, why is he still here? Because he's playing linebacker, and he might have the green dot. He better be damn good. He better not be a serviceable middle-of-the-road linebacker. You're out there at practice in many camps. What is the upside for Divine Diablo to progress into becoming a legitimate every-down linebacker in this league who can make big plays? Well, and, and not only did they, did they keep him, but, but Josh McDaniels flat out told us that he is very fond of Divine Diablo. And coaches don't often say that unless – they truly mean it. So there's something about Devon Diablo that obviously um, appeals to, to Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. And we'll go back to last year. You know, he was uh, at the time of his injury, which people forget about it, but he missed a lot of last season with that with a terrible forearm injury. But at the time of that injury, he was leading the Raiders in, in tackling and was eighth tied for eighth in the NFL uh, in tackles. So he was he was moving in the right direction. Uh, and I think that, you know, he's, he's done right by himself by getting in the weight room. He's added uh, 12 pounds now of muscle. He looks like a changed man uh, in, that, in that regard. He wants to stay on the field three downs. Uh, he wants to be able to deal with the offensive lineman. That's part of being the physical side of, of defense, but also not lose the speed to be an asset in, in pass coverage. And obviously, uh, they, they feel like he's coming along in terms of grasping the defense. Otherwise, they wouldn't even consider giving him the green dot. And they literally invited him up to the office and said, hey, look, we want you to start thinking along these lines. It was them who brought that idea to him. So obviously there's something about Divine Diablo uh, that, again, appeals to, uh, to, to the Raiders. And, and you're right. He obviously has to do it on the field. But he was trending in the right direction at the time of his injury. Now he just has to pick up uh, and, and still continue to get better. And, and I, I look at Divine Diablo. I look at Nate Hobbs. And I look at Trayvon Merrig, who um, Trayvon literally told us last week that he never felt like he was on solid ground. Number one, he was playing in his fourth, under his fourth straight new defensive coordinator, going back to his junior year in college, junior year, senior year, defensive, uh, different defensive coordinator, rookie year, de uh, new defensive coordinator, sophomore year with the Raiders, new defensive coordinator. It's the first year in four years that he's going to go into a, uh, a second straight season with the same defensive coordinator. I can't tell you how much disruption that is for young players when you're constantly changing 
the scheme and the leadership and the responsibility. And on top of that, he got hurt, as Divine Diablo did. So did Nate Hobbs, uh, which was a big injury, the hand injury that he suffered. Uh, those three players in particular, going in now to year two in the same defense, which they, none of them have had the luxury of doing that in the NFL. And if they can stay healthy, um, if they can get back on the right track, and all three of them have fabulous potential. You look at uh, Trayvon Merrick, his rookie year, he was ranked among the top 15 safeties in the NFL by Pro Football Focus. He took a step back last year. There were some extenuating circumstances, but if he can get back to being the player that he was as a, as a rookie, as Nate Hobbs and, and if Divine can keep moving in the right direction, that changes the whole dynamic of the Raiders' defense right there. Those are three players that if they can get back to a, a fairly high level of play, which they didn't necessarily have last year, it, it, it changes the whole complexion of the defense when you start talking about a Tyree and a Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, who did finish the season strongly last year. He was playing his best football of the year in the four games prior to getting hurt. So there's reasons to, to, to and I like Spillane as well, there's reasons to think that there's potential for this Raiders defense to get better. Now, we've said that before. We get it. We understand it. And they have to prove it on the field. But it's not like this is this blank piece of paper that the Raiders are running right. out there. There's, there's, there, are, there is talent on this defense, and there is reason for some hope. Last one for Vinny Bonsignor. I can talk football with him all day. This guy's unbelievable. Uh, lastly, the calendar. I know a lot of Raiders and executives who now take vacation. This is the time to get vacation, get out of football. Walk the listeners through the calendar now from the executives, the players, the teams around the league that you know and how people get away and then when it ramps up again. Yeah, uh, this, is, um, this is really the last gasp of just being able to uh, to unplug for a little while, although nobody really actually over you know ever pulls it out completely on the on the plug. Uh, but this is a chance for the players to kind of regroup a little bit uh, and 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 get rested up before uh, training camp hits, which is right around the corner. I think from the Raiders' perspective right now, um, I just feel like they, they 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 they've liked what they've seen so far. And granted, this was without Jimmy Garoppolo being out there and Josh Jacobs, and didn't see a whole lot on the field. Of Jacoby Myers and, and, and Michael Mayer, all of those guys that, except for Josh were there every day. So it's not like they were missing anything outside of the on-field stuff. But I think the Raiders like what they've seen so far in this offseason. I think they want to uh, give this group, this 90-player group, 91, um, uh, if, you, if you consider the, play, the international player that they have, a fair chance now to go into training camp uh, and prove that of that 90, the best 53-man uh, you know, roster for the Raiders in 2023 is in this building. There will be some tinkering. We all understand that. Uh, but I do think that they're, they're, that they're fairly satisfied with what they saw so far uh, up until this point. And now it's just a, you know, an opportunity, again, to kind of reassess. There's going to be a lot of film watching of all these practices. Uh, they're going to scour back over it uh, to, to kind of assess what they truly have in this 90-man roster. Um, and then get ready for, for training camp. But it is a, an opportunity as well uh, to really get a little bit of rest, unplug for a little bit, because mm. once that train uh, leaves the station uh, come July, it doesn't stop for a long, long time. No doubt, Vinny. Everybody has a really good weekend lined up, and they want to drink your tequila, especially with a victory parade out here. How do we do it? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's really, and we're talking about Dos Cadas tequila, uh, Boyd Properties, everywhere you go. 
Um, uh, you can you could find Dos Cadas, uh Liquor World here in here in Las Vegas, uh, Total Wine uh, here in here in Las Vegas. So it's everywhere, and they're proud partners. Uh, and I know they were super excited last night for the Golden Knights, and they're super excited for the season. It's going to be a little bit of a dark time here for, for a few weeks, uh, but but training camp is right around the corner. I think everybody's fired up about it. We are, Vinny. We're happy to have you here on the station, and especially everything you do and all the content you provide. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, JT. Vinny Bonson, you are fantastic. And, again, I, I'm running a little late here. Well, let me get Gangster Raider up quickly. He's being patient. I didn't want to get shut out today, Bobby. I mean, I don't expect Gangster Raider to give me a Stanley Cup call, but he'll give me some Raider Nation. What's going on? Hey, I'm calling to congratulate my friend on the Stanley Cup championship. I know any, I know you the one that wanted the most out of everybody. And um, I want to welcome you and the Golden Knights to the championship club as an L.A. Kings fan. It took us way longer than six years to get our first one. So, mm-hmm. y'all, um, in basking and enjoy it. And I want to also um, congratulate you and your son on his graduation. Didn't he recently graduate as well? Yes, he did. Started work. He's working and he graduated. And I greatly appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Yeah, that's great because my son heard it and it made him decide to go back to school. So, I want to thank your son for um, wow. inspiring my son to go back to school because he also turned 22, too. And when I told him, I said, look, JT's son is graduating already. And he had stopped going to school like right before the pan, or right after the pandemic hit. So your son inspired my son to um, go back to school. So I want to say thank you and congratulations, thank and you. welcome to the championship club. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you saying that. And my youngest son started a summer job today, and Bobby knows how important that is to me. As my son went to work for the summer, as I was looking at my clock and calendar, going, um, "Excuse me, we've been off for how long now? And when do you have to go back to school?" Um, Let's go, and he started a pretty cool job that no one needs to know about today, part-time summer job, but I noticed when I got up today, he wasn't home, and that was a rarity. So both the sons are working, bringing in money, so I could go have my bucket of Modellos on Friday after the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. No cerveza but for me before I get on stage, as you know, Bobby. And they can cover that Raisin Cane's bill of yes, yours. They eat us out of house and home. Uh, Raisin Cane's, thank you. Another plug, one of our proud partners. Let's get this out. Raisin Cane's, because when I, I talk freely about them because my sons are in my cars in the drive-up line. They're Caniacs every day. So I know they're bringing in the Raisin Cane's because I can smell it, and I love the smell when I come into the house. I can say it's either Grimaldi's or Raisin Cane's. Why do you think I have these proud partners? Because I go to these establishments. They're good to me, and we're great to them today on top of every day because the Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup. So I'm just proud to have all these partners today to talk about. And when we come back, Johnny Katz was out with the Cup last night. So last night, my buddy Joe and my buddy Todd and I got over to Omnia, and I'm like, it's still early, man. And the cup got there, I think, at 2.15 in the morning. And I think I left an hour before that. I was pretty proud to be out at 1, uh, thinking the Stanley Cup was coming through. But I, I want to know, because Katz was up all night. Stick around for this interview. Here's our entertainment guy. He'll tell you where the cup is as we speak. Bennett looking cross eye Stone intercepts. This time he sends it down in a waffle and go into the goal. It's a hat trick in the clincher. Mark Stone, the captain, makes it 8-3 Golden Knights with six minutes to go in the third period. How about that? Mark Stone gets a hat trick 
the captain and wins the cup and hoists the cup? You got to be kidding me. That's a legendary hockey moment. How many captains, captains have scored a hat trick on the night where they win the cup? I don't know. I got to find that out. I'm happy for Johnny Katsalamidis. Johnny Katz joining us because the guy just works around the clock to bring us entertainment information. And I finally had to go to bed last night, Katz. I couldn't keep up with you. When did you shut it down? When did you walk away from the cup and all the partying last night? Do we have them here? I left Omnia at about a quarter to 4 a.m. Ooh. I walked out, and I was, and I happened to walk out with uh, Riley Smith and his group. But we just happened to be walking out together. So I, I, I looked at my, uh, at my phone and, and my uh, clock then, and it was a quarter to four. And Riley was still skating fast, man. <laughs> that guy moves. And you were you happened to be walking out of the, uh, of the uh, club and the hotel together. But it was, uh, yeah, I got there at about, uh, you know, midnight and uh, was there through the entire, uh, you know, the, I think there was still some party going on when I left, but uh, it was about a four-hour experience, roughly. And how was that? Because Omnia's had championship celebrations before, and this was a big one because it's on the home turf of the team that won in this town. So how does that get put together? Steve Aoki's playing at Toshiba Plaza earlier in the day. That was wild. And then he brings was, the cup out. What, what was that connection like? How do they put events like that together so quickly? That is That right there is uh, one of the connections is Aoki himself. He was one of the founding 75 uh, uh, of uh, dignitaries in Las Vegas who were assigned to um, sell season ticket packages. If you remember back in uh, 2015, Aoki was one of them. Mm -hmm. And he's been a huge supporter of the team anyway. So I think what they did was they had him perform uh, at the pre-party at Toshiba Plaza. And then the deal was that the the team would roll back into Omnia after the game. Now, Omnia is one of the few clubs that's open on a Tuesday night, by the way. You know, Mm -hmm. Hakkasan's not open uh, excess. um, But they did also go to Jewel before Omnia. They they had kind of a quieter team uh, I don't know if it was quiet, but a friends and family party at, at Jewel over at Aria, and then they came over to the Omnia after that. And they got into Omnia about 2.15. And I think the deal was that they wanted Aoki to be the tent post of this night, you know, to start the thing at the at, at T-Mobile in Toshiba and to close it out in his uh, mm-hmm. gold Golden Knight jersey from the uh, DJ booth with the cup uh, at Caesars Palace. So um, it, was, uh, it was wild. I, I don't know what else to say. It was a wild and long, uh, a late night, but a great night, as we say. All right, so I didn't know this, but Mark Stone was on the Pat McAfee show today. The uh, parade is planned for Saturday on the boulevard. Tell me what you know about this, and how are they going to pull it off, especially with all the F1 construction? Where do you think it will go? I know you don't have all the details here, but what are you hearing behind the scenes? Well, that that's going to be the trick. Yeah, that, um, Stone was on McAfee today, and, and uh, our latest post uh, from Mick, uh, my colleague Mick Akers was that he said it was going to be Saturday. Uh, they're going to have to work around the construction, obviously. Mm. And I was out there last night, and there's a, there's an extensive construction still going on on the west side of the Strip. So I don't know how they're going to um, how that's going to work. They're going to have to move it. You know, that you you really want it to be at the Bellagio Fountains. You know, that's one of the mm. that's, I think would be a must. So it, it's a good question. More will be revealed. They they're going to have it on the Strip. And maybe they'll do like the old days. Maybe they'll start it downtown like they did with the uh, the uh, UNLV Run and Rebels Championship in 90 and, and, and uh, snake it up to the boulevard. I don't know. That's just, you know, it's just me thinking out loud. But Saturday's the day or night. And 
Yeah, here we go. We we're running into F one is running into our uh, victory parade. <laughs> Johnny, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Johnny Katz is our guest. Um, as we wrap this up, you follow Bill Foley. You're friends with Mark Davis. You get a lot of access in town, not only with entertainment but sports. Kind of tie this up for me, Mr. Foley, and what he put together for this town and the crescendo last night winning the cup. There were so many celebrities in the building, minority partners, friends, family, Uh the players' Mm -hmm. families, so many people that you saw along the way. I mean, how do you put a bow on what happened last night at the Fortress? And then everybody came outside and the the glow of the sun setting and everything. It was still early on in the evening there. I hope everybody tried to enjoy it because it's a night I'll never forget. Yeah, everything has fallen into place for the Golden Knights. You know, some of it they made happen with their their astute front office work and their handling of talent and their assessment and and, uh, going after uh, key players and trades. Some of it they inherited. You know, the timing of of their uh, ride here in Las Vegas coming after 1 October and going through. What Foley has done is established very important relationships where he needs to you know the raiders and and golden knights have a great relationship as and the aces uh, by proxy uh i talked to uh, gavin joe and george maluth last Mm -hmm. night a big family in las vegas who were really eager to invest in a team in las vegas but didn't want to run it uh as a majority owner uh gary bettman put them with bill foley who was interested in being the man uh to be the majority owner they that was a great fit um what can you say? You know, he's done everything, uh, he's done everything right. You know, he's a, he's an, a great civic leader, a great businessman, and now a, a great uh, sports official, a very successful individual. I'm, I'm still stupefied that the city has won a Stanley Cup. I went there last night. I was just in shock watching that cup uh, and a Vegas team holding it. You know, a nice surprise as we're talking here. I got a text all the way in from Stockholm. Uh, Sweden from uh, Frank Sidoris, Frankie Sidoris, who's with Mammoth and Wolfgang Van Halen. He said, I watched the game from 2 a.m. my time and all to the post game at 6.30 a.m. Just couldn't have asked for a better outcome. It's an incredible story, a rock star playing with Wolfgang Van Halen in Stockholm and watching this because he's a diehard. I think the original fans of this team, because Raiders have many more fans or a global mm-hmm. franchise, it's the NFL, right. but the ones who uh-huh. were here in the beginning and believed in this product and just became fans and wanted to see good hockey, uh, I've been spending the whole show talking about them today. They deserve all the credit when a lot of people question them around the hockey world, saying this is a joke, it's Vegas, it'll never work, and... And we're in two cups, and we win one in six years. That's fantastic. Well, you look at somebody like Sedoris, that hits exactly to what you're talking about, JT. He's a native Las Vegan. He's a rock star. His song is the theme song that they play inside T-Mobile Arena. Mm-hmm. They enlisted him to, to write that. Um, you know, his family is, you know, the, uh, his uh, father's a great uh, resort uh, official with the resorts world, a, a big uh, pit boss. His mom is the founder, co-founder of Stabile Productions in this city, and they have X Burlesque, X Country, and Piff the Magic Dragon. And they, you know, this is a very Las Vegas story, and uh, you know, and, and uh, that's one example of uh, of how they touch the community. Um, yeah, the, the Golden Knights will always be made for Las Vegas. We're talking about this with the Maloofs uh, before mm-hmm. the game yesterday. They were a team that was made for the city. They wanted a team that would be an expansion team that could grow out of Las Vegas, and, they, and the league gave them a chance with their expansion rules to compete, and they went for it. And that there will always be that. And I think that's what the emotional outcry was last night. The outpouring, I should say, of, of this mm-hmm. win um, was it was a local thing. It's a very, very uniquely Las Vegas experience. Have a great weekend. I hope to see you out uh, throughout the weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure I'll bounce into you. 
Yeah, I always enjoy you, JT. Thanks for, for including me. You got it. I always include Johnny Katz. He's our entertainment guy in town. He's the guy writing all these cover stories that are getting picked up internationally on what's happening. Very quickly, again, I lost touch with Joe Maloof because Joe, quick story back in the day, the Maloof brothers, when my show, when I was with Fox, it was syndicated all over, and Joe would listen to me in Sacramento, and he sent the private jet private jet from Sacramento to pick me up and a couple of my friends and take me up to a Kings game. And we met, and they were building the condo and Palms and Palms Place and all this. So we built this friendship. And I see Gavin and George Maloof always over town. They're always around. But I haven't seen Joe in like 10 years. And it's amazing that we haven't kept in touch. So last night I was walking in the suite section, and Gavin saw me. He said, come on into the suite. And I hooked up with Joe. And it was when they scored all the goals in the second period. So I'm sitting with the Maloofs, watching the game, sitting there going, this is so surreal, reconnecting with my friend Joe Maloof, and they're about to win the Cup. And there was no stress. It wasn't a 3-2 game, 2-1 game. Oh, my God. And, Bobby, you ran the game last night, and I'm real proud of you working with you from day one. That had to be a special night for you, knowing that you were cutting up all these goals, knowing that the game was going to be an easy victory for this team. I'm actually still kind of amazed by the whole thing. I was just, well, first during the game, I'm just cutting up highlights. I didn't even have time to think. Mm -hmm. And then by the time they actually blew the horn for the final call, I was just, wow, they really did do it, you know. Yeah. Because I told you, after they get, if they can get by Edmonton, they can beat anybody. But I was pretty confident when they got to the playoffs and confident in the second half of the year. It was tough after missing the playoffs. Remember, the Warriors missed the playoffs and then won the championship the year before this Denver team did. So they went to no playoffs, which is impossible to do in the NBA. Everybody makes the playoffs, and pretty much everyone makes the playoffs in hockey. And Florida barely got in. Uh, Chris Chapman, Magnum, is going to join us next. So let's come back. We'll talk to Magnum, who was on the ice, got all these exclusive interviews last night. Real proud of the show today, man. I, I wish we could have got to more callers here. I know I'm always pounding it. Get in on this show. But we had just too many people we had to get up here that wanted to come on today and talk about last night. And if you got a good story to tell, call into Q. I know he's got a big show coming up and everybody else. The morning show on all of our different channels here. Our family at Lotus Broadcast. Because Lotus Broadcasting, world champs today. Bill Foley had the vision, the creativity, and the audacity to bring the first Major League team to Las Vegas. And then he said, we're going to win the Stanley Cup in six years. What has happened here has been simply incredible. Not only is Vegas a hockey town, it's a championship town. Congratulations to George McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon, Bruce Cassidy, and most important, the players on your Vegas Golden Knights. Mark Stone, our tradition for this 130-year-old trophy is to present it to the captain. I thought Bettman was fantastic with the presentation. He gets booed a lot. That's a tradition. We all know that, but I thought the way he presented the cup last night and what he said about the young history of this team, just incredible. Really appreciate you coming back today as we're celebrating the Vegas Golden Knights Stanley Cup. Uh, Chris Chapman, Magnum, joins us here in studio. Really proud for you. 
because I was here when you started. You went down into the locker room. You were always in the press box. It must have been amazing for you last night. Share with us what it was like on the ice interviewing all these players. Well, there was certainly a lot of a lot of emotion, uh, especially from the guys who were here from day one, um, because I think unlike anything I've ever experienced, the emotional attachment that the players have with this city because of what transpired on October 1st, for those original guys, it's it's never going to be one of those moments that you fully heal from. Mm-hmm. But knowing that they played a role in this city, helping to get back on its feet, and then, then you know, the guys who were here through COVID, too. We, we're a city built on tourism. visitors, tourism. Yeah. If, if that's not coming in, we don't have a city. And those players helping to rebuild this city twice – it, it's it's a tremendous accomplishment. You know, I, I moved to this town in 1999. We had UNLV and we had the the 51s, mm-hmm. and that was it. And then a spattering of all these other in-and-out minor league teams that nobody remembers. To see the way that this city has grown from 1999 when I moved here, I remember going to Wrangler games, 5,000 people, always packed at the Orleans, lively, fun, great environment. So we've always been a hockey city. We've always had that. But to experience this on another level, like I was on the ice year one when the Capitals won. And it hurt. Mm-hmm. It hurt. Yeah, I'm a big Ovechkin fan. I really like the guy. I, I think he's a tremendous player. He's one of the greatest of all time. But it hurt from the Vegas guy, from Chris Chapman, the, the journalist, or from the media guy. I have to separate that. But as a Vegas guy, it hurt. Mm-hmm. Last night, it didn't. It, 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 yeah. was, it was one of the most incredible things I've ever gone through and experienced in my life. Chris Chapman joins us. So you were down there on the ice, the original six players who were here. I just want to talk about uh, the captain, Mark Stone, a different type of player compared to the players who helped build the franchise. And you said it very interesting to me when you just said to our audience, COVID. You added COVID into 1 October. 1 October, the biggest gun tragedy in this country. A totally different scenario. COVID shut down the city. Yeah. Shut down the city. And these players have gone through... Only a six-year run with all of those events happening. Stone comes in, and I remember we were one of the first shows to get him and have him on. I'm saying, this guy, I don't know much about him, but what a beast. And what a big, oversized guy that has all these skills and can skate and can kill a penalty and do some things. What about him last night getting a hat trick? I haven't asked anybody this yet, but having a hat trick as a captain in a clinching Stanley Cup final, I don't know if that's ever happened before. That's got to be one of the great individual accomplishments in hockey history. I think when you look back, right, Gary Bettman mentioned it in the, in the, the clip Bobby played coming back, 130 years this, this Stanley right. Cup has been awarded. That is going to be, when you're watching the highlights 20 years from now, and they're talking about most iconic moments in Stanley Cup history, Mark Stone scoring a hat trick in a series in a Stanley Cup clinching game and it, a shorthanded goal. Yes, a shorthanded goal. An, yeah, I mean he basically had the hat trick of hat tricks, right? Shorthanded goal, five on five goal, and then he had the empty net goal. So it's 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 incredible because when you when you two back surgeries in in a year, yeah, and and you know you and I have been around sports a long time. We've been around these these incredible athletes. Guys don't do that, but there's something different about Mark Stone. He's he's built different, and it's what he's got in his in his heart. 
that I I don't know if I've ever come across an athlete that that has that fire, that competitiveness. And I remember when he came back for the first game and, and he talked about it. He said he wanted to be out there with these players because they're the best guys he's ever he's ever played with. He knew that this team was going to win the cup and he wasn't going to miss that. And and to do what he did in this postseason, I don't know if it makes him a Hall of Fame player, but yeah, it, great it, point. It, it's 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 he certainly will be an icon for a long, long time. Magnum joins us, especially back surgery. Every athlete that I've ever talked to, they never want to have the actual surgery. Yeah, they want to not have surgery, and hopefully, their back heals. To see what he went through is amazing. Let's wrap it up with Bruce Cassidy because I'm trying to connect with our non-hockey audience about a coach getting fired, taking his team to the cup, which should have been a dynasty. They had the ability, and they still do, the talent to win two out of three, or you got to win three, in my opinion, to be a dynasty, win three out of four or five. And Boston blew it all up yeah. with a coach who took this team to the cup. When you look back at that in sports, that's got to be the lowest of low. Boston loses as the best regular season team of all time to the Panthers, who Vegas just beat in the cup. And the coach of Vegas beats the Panthers. I, they got to be looking back in Boston, going, "How did we screw this up so badly?" Yeah, and and, and quite frankly, I, I know you have no love for the city of Boston no. and their teams. Neither do I, being being a New York sports fan. It's a little karma, right? Yeah, for, for you can all look these at it years, that way. Yeah, for all these years, Boston. You know, you look at the way the Patriots stole Belichick from the Jets. All that nonsense. They got they got lucky with with Kurt Schilling's ketchup stain sock. You know, it's a little karma. <laughs> I knew Bobby would fire back, but it's karma. I, I mean, the, Cassidy, the only guy in NHL history to win 50 games in back-to-back seasons with two different teams. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Wow. The, yeah. And when he came in, the one thing he preached was accountability. And that was a big question mark as, as this team missed the playoffs last year. Accountability. There were, there were stories that leaked out of the locker room about certain things and, and players not getting along and there being no accountability. There was accountability this year. Chris Chapman, as we wrap it up, uh, quickly I want to mention Eichel. This is huge because if they don't go in all, all in on Eichel, which they didn't have to, they, they brought in an injured player yeah. that needed time to finish his rehab, they win the cup. I don't think, you know, Marcia so deserved the con Smythe. Eichel didn't score as much as I thought, regular season, postseason. But watching his overall unique play, his passing, his skating, what he did, wrap this up for me on how great of a player Eichel is going forward. And you'll be the first guy I ask, does this team have an opportunity to win multiple cups with the contracts, the age? Well, how's this team look going forward? Well, it's gonna. They're, they're, they, if there's one thing they've proven, they're very good at cap gymnastics. Absolutely, they will find a way because I don't think George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon and Bill Foley and everyone else in that front office are happy with one. Right. Mm. Once you get that first cup, all you do is want is want to win a second. They will find a way, and they're going to have to get creative with the cap. I think they they have to find a way to keep Ivan Barbashev because that that move that they made at the deadline to bring him in was incredible. But your question about Jack Eichel, I think he cemented his legacy at a very young age. He did. He's for his entire career been compared to Connor McDavid. And Connor McDavid's the best player on the planet. There's zero doubt about that. But Jack Eichel is a Stanley Cup champion. Connor McDavid has yet to even play in a Stanley Cup final. It's it's his legacy is cemented and his play the way he plays the 
defensive play has been overlooked mm-hmm. in his game because he's so good on the puck and the way he passes. Jack Eichel is is he is a perfect player have in fun so many the, ways. Have fun at the parade. Oh, it's going to be incredible. There he is, Magnum joining us. What a show, Bobby. Save this one. Send it to Natalie just to archive it because I'm proud to work for this company, Lotus Broadcasting. They're a proud partner. Along with PTs, PTs is your place to be, as always. But what they have going on with the celebratory toast, what they're going to do for the parade, just lock into a PTs in your town. You'll have a great time coming up, whatever neighborhood you live in. Bobby, great job. Get some sleep. I know you got a couple of days coming off here. You deserve it. Thanks to everybody who put the show together, all of our guests, and most importantly, the fans of Las Vegas. I thank you very much. And all around the world listening to us, thank you.